I wasn't paying as close attention as I should have and as I should have been while I was working with my table saw and I ran my finger into the um, running blade of the table saw. Um, at, the, at the emergency room, they gave me a shot on both sides of that finger, a, a nerve block shot. Now, I will save you the details except to tell you that they are way up there on that list of some of the most painful things that somebody has, uh, that I've allowed somebody to do to me, uh, or that, that, that have ever actually happened to me and something I hope never to repeat. Now, those shots were quite effective though. Uh, they were quite effective. The doctor told me my finger would be numb for 24 hours, and I thought that was a really good idea, particularly at that point. I thought, that would be good, you know, and I was almost thought to ask if I could come back and get, uh, more shots before the other ones wore off, so that, uh, uh, but I didn't. So the next morning what I did is I got up, I went downstairs, and I wanted to figure out what I had done, how in the world I had run my finger into the earning saw blade. It just, I, I could not, I couldn't put it together, and I thought it was a good idea to know because I didn't want to do it again sometime. So I got my saw out and set it up again. I got the board that I was cutting, now, I didn't plug the saw in. I got the board that I was cutting, and I set it up there, and I set that board down, and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, what in the world did I do? What was it I was doing? And so I, 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 took, the, I took the board, and I started, you know, it wasn't running, and I started putting it up. And then I, and then I realized what I had done, how I had, you know, ended up sticking my finger, actually, is what I did, you know, I, I stuck my finger. I, I just I came down right on top of that running saw blade. You know, and and uh, I have a saw curve in the end of the bone on this finger. It's very interesting in the X-ray. But um, you know, and and I remember that. And as I was thinking, and then I realized I didn't finish this, and my finger was numb, so it wasn't bothering me at all. So I plugged the saw in and I finished cutting this board. You know, I had this big bandage on here, you know, I just kept it up in the air and I finished cutting that board and you know, my finger still didn't hurt me. So I, you know, it was still numb. So I cut, I kept, I, I, I continued cutting boards and you know, working on the project that I was working on before because it didn't hurt. And after about 20 minutes or so, I noticed that the bandaid was um, now a red bandaid. Um, you know the because it was it was just completely soaked with blood, and um, you know I, I I realized you know what a, a poor choice that um, I had made, uh, and then it was right after <clears throat> right about 24 hours I probably could have set a clock of uh, my watch by this. It was right about 24 hours after they gave me that shot that it was like a switch went off, click, and my finger was no longer numb. I mean, it was, it was, it was throbbing. It was talking to me and stuff. And, you know, I was thinking about that as I was, as I was working and thinking, you know, working on the sermon and thinking that sometimes we ignore what we're in the midst of. We ignore the destruction sometimes we're in the midst of and think that we have peace. We even, you know, we even sometimes might numb our minds with, you know, alcohol or drugs. Some people 
choose to do that and some choose just if I ignore it, if I toughen it up. You women notice this, but us men don't normally admit it. Um, a good way for for us men to handle something is if we ignore it, it'll go away. You may have noticed that. You know, but if we ignore it, um, it'll go away and or, or get better. We like to tell ourselves get better, but going away is getting better in our minds. Uh, you know, but, but this is what we do. Not just men. All of us get to a place sometimes where what we do is we just begin to ignore, you know, the, the issues that disrupt our peace and, and, you know, or we turn, uh, you know, to things which today what we're going to do is we're going to focus on embracing lasting peace. You know, how can we embrace lasting peace? Not by simply ignoring the issues that disrupt our peace and not turning to things that bring temporary relief, but rather how can we learn to embrace lasting peace in our life? How can we make it more a part of our life? Notice I did not say getting rid of the problem. That disrupts our peace. That's not, we're not looking at getting rid of the problem that disrupts our peace. I think the problem is that we let our peace get disrupted. And what we need to do is learn to embrace lasting peace. Before we turn to our passage for today, let's pray. Father, we just celebrated communion, remembering peace with you through us. That we have that peace, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And yet our mind gets jumbled sometimes. Our heart gets racing. I, I, we, we get we get in a tizzy. We get all all flustered and, and wound up. Lord, that's not how we want to live. We want to be able to live in your peace, in this peace we just celebrated in communion. And this, we want it to be more a reality in our life. So guide us as we look into your word, as we look and see how you ministered in and through and with two other people, their responses, reaction to you. And how how does that speak to us here today? that we might truly embrace lasting peace, not something temporary, but that which comes from you. So guide our thoughts as we look into your word, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. This is, um, you know, if it's on page 942 in the Pew Bible. I'm going to be, the Pew Bible is the uh, Holman Christian Standard, which is what I'm going to be reading reading from and as i'm reading you will be picturing linus in your mind because this is probably one of the most familiar passages in the bible particularly this time of year many times it's read simply as a prop to uh, a christmas program or other christmas celebrations and uh, but what you need to guard against today is don't let its familiarity to you cause your mind to slip into numbness where you're not hearing god we're not hearing him. We still need to be able to hear him and, and pull it, you know, pull ourselves in and pull out of his word, his truth for us. Um, I hope that we learn, you know, to better embrace lasting peace. Now, not not something temporary that fades, but lasting peace that doesn't fade, doesn't wear out, doesn't become obsolete. Lasting peace is what we want and lasting peace is what we need. Let's look at his word. Begin with verse 8 there with me. It says, in the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flocks. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Wouldn't that be cool? It showed the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard just as they had been told. Now, last week we looked at an event a little bit later in this chapter, which came after Jesus' birth. This one here comes also technically after his birth, probably the same night, quite possibly within you know a few hours. We're not given all of those details, except the fact that they found Mary and Joseph still in the stable, still you know Jesus still in the in the what we refer to as a manger, which was a feeding trough. Uh, you know, so it's, it's probably that same night and the shepherds now think about them all they, they're just out there going about their normal day. They're fulfilling their normal responsibilities. They were doing their job. They were doing what they should have been doing. This was just normal stuff for them. They were out there, you know, this was in a sense downtime and in a sense uptime because while the sheep were down, their senses, the shepherd's senses had to be up a little bit to watch and listen for thieves, for uh, other animals coming in, you know, to uh, wolves, to, you know, lions, anything to come in and, and take the sheep. Uh, so they were simply doing, you know, doing their job. That's normally when our peace gets rocked. Our peace normally gets rocked when we are simply doing life. When we are doing, you know, what comes normal. That's when our peace gets upset. That's when it gets knocked all off kilter. One minute we're doing fine, everything is fine, and all of a sudden it's no longer fine. Now, it's no longer fine for a variety of reasons, sometimes of our own making, and sometimes something else happens that, that robs us of the peace that we, that we really had, had no control over. That's what's going on for the shepherds here. The shepherds are out doing their job. Everything is fine, and then it isn't. I mean, everything was going along. They're out there living life as expected, and everything changes, which they didn't expect. They had absolutely no control over this. This wasn't a result of something they had done. They had no control over it, but it was not out of control. While they had no control over this, and while their peace was upset, it's a good thing to remember, this was not out of control. This was under God's control. God was still in control. Now it says, you know, that an angel of the Lord is standing before them. Nothing like somebody walking up to you when you're out in a dark field. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I'm quite easy to sneak up on now. You know, since, since I lost a hearing in my right ear, I am very easy to sneak up on. Some of you have seen that, you know, and I've been working in my office and, you know, somebody will come and they come along and they start to, and I, and I jump because I, I, I just, I can't hear you coming. And, uh, You've seen that, you know, and I, you know, uh, 
Kent and Ginny are the ones that do that to me the most, and I'd, I'd like to think that it's accidental. Um, but I'm, I'm not quite sure, you know. Um, the uh, uh, all of a sudden, you know, they just, you know, they 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 just sneak right up on me, you know, and and um, sometimes in a very obvious way, but all of a sudden, bam, there they are, and uh, whoa, you know, and I jump. So you know, Ginny every once in a while, you know, in her kind way, starts knocking on things as she's walking towards me or calling out to me. I said, not can't. He just he just waits on the other side of the door, and. Uh, you don't have to wait on the other side of the door. All I have to do is walk up and, and you know, and, and, and you scare, you know, the scrambled eggs out of me. But, uh, you know, so here they are. They're just doing their thing. They're out in the field and it says, and then suddenly, you know, an, an angel of the Lord is standing before them. I would just figure, you know, right there, I'm, 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 that's it. I'm dead or dying, you know. I mean, th- this is it. I mean, there's the angel of the Lord. Now, the results of the angel appearing, it says, and the glory of the Lord shining around them. The result of that, notice it says that they were terrified. I like the different translations. Some of the other translations say that they were filled, filled with great fear. Uh, I'll bet. Uh, terribly frightened, some of them says. One of my favorite translations on this, though, really, is the King James, where it says, and they were sore afraid. Because what I think of when I read that is they, they were so scared it hurt. I mean, that's just that's the, just the picture that comes to my mind. Now, the, the immediate result of this encounter is that they were no longer experiencing peace. They were no, peace was gone from their lives. The first words, though, of the angel, angel, the special messenger of God, the first words focused on their need for peace. The very first words that said that we're told the angel said is, don't be afraid. Lasting peace is what we need. Lasting peace is what we want. And God addresses our need for peace. Just as he did here using the angels, using those messengers that were sent, he addresses their need for peace. Over and over again throughout the Bible, this phrase appears, you know, about don't be afraid. Over and over again, God speaks to people's, people's lack of peace. He speaks to their fears. Back in Genesis, when Hagar was forced to leave Abraham's house, you know, because Sarah didn't, you know, didn't like the plan that they had come up with and down the road. But anyway, here's what it says in 21. It says, the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid. When the Lord called Gideon into service and Gideon was hiding in the, in the, in a wine press and a wine vet to, and, and God comes up and, you know, it says, it says, the Lord said to him, peace to you. Don't be afraid. When Elijah, Elijah, who we think of as a, as a strong man of God, and he was called to come before the king. In Second Kings, it says, the Lord said to him, peace to you, don't be afraid. Isaiah, a prophet of God, a man who, again, we think of as very strong and firm in the faith. His words from God to King Hezekiah, you know, to Hezekiah's servant. He says, tell your master this, the Lord says, don't be afraid. A little bit later, God sent Isaiah to Ahaz with this message. He said, he said, said to him, calm down, be quiet, don't be afraid. God ministered through the prophets and through the prophet Jeremiah. God says, you know, he says, don't be afraid of the king of Babylon whom you now fear. Don't be afraid of him. This is the Lord's declaration because I am with you to save you and deliver you from him. 
God sent an angel to help Joseph as his world turned inside out when Mary turned up pregnant. And the angel says to him, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. When Jesus' disciples were caught in a storm and he walks out to them on the sea and they see him and they're terrified. And the the word comes to him and says, immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. When the disciples got freaked out when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus is transfigured before them there and, and he sees, he sees uh, Moses and Elijah and he's talking with them and it says then that they fell face down. They fell with their faces down to the ground in fear. And then Matthew says, then Jesus came up, touched them and said, get up. Don't be afraid. When a synagogue ruler came to Jesus because his daughter was ill, and as his daughter was ill, Jesus is going with him to see his daughter and minister to his daughter. And as he's doing that, am I talking too fast? And as he's doing that, he is met by, he is met by some servants who are coming back and they tell him, they tell him that his daughter is dead. And this is what Mark says. It says, but then when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. In the book of Acts, when opposition is mounting and Paul is talking and telling people about Jesus and, and you know, things just are, seem to be going from bad to worse for him there, it says, And the Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid. When John sees Jesus in heaven, he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. When we want lasting peace, what we need to hear, what we need is to hear God's word. Don't be afraid. He doesn't just tell us, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I will save you. Don't be afraid because I will deliver you. Have courage. Get up. Don't be afraid. I am alive forever and ever. I am the living one. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Don't be afraid because this is me. This is who I am. You know, when we need that lasting peace, we need to hear his word. We need to embrace his word. We need to live his word. God ministers peace to us. By bringing comfort in the midst of the frightening times by his presence with us. By being with us. We need peace during frightening times. You know, we, when, we're, when we're frightened, frightening times do not produce peace. Quite the opposite. You know, quite the opposite. And in the midst of those, we need to be careful that we're not so focused on what is causing the fear that we miss God as he is bringing peace to us. That we miss God as he is coming to you. We get so focused on what is causing the problem. I found it interesting here that the very thing that frightened them was also the thing that God used to bring them peace. The very thing that was frightening them was the angel. And the angel came and was focusing them on God once again. God used what was causing their fear to help them focus on him again. God may bring peace at a time you don't expect it. These guys were out there in the field, minding their 
doing, doing life. Suddenly the angel appears. God uses that angel. You know, it struck fear in them, but God was delivering a message to them that they needed to hear. And he used what was causing the fear to help them, you know, focus on him instead of the situation. Things they didn't expect. And the angel told them how to find the Messiah, how to find Jesus, how to find peace. This is what he was telling them. This would have made no sense to them. He told them to go find this baby. They expected one who would be able to lead them now. The Messiah was one they wanted to lead them right now. Not a, not a baby. You know, God may bring peace at a time you don't expect, and he may also very well bring peace, lasting peace to you, in a way that you don't expect. The situation for the shepherds here gets a little more out of hand um, before it gets calmed down a bit. Uh, it says, then a multitude of the heavenly host suddenly appears as if they weren't, well, it says they were terrified to begin with. So whatever is beyond terrified in your vocabulary, this is this is where they've entered now. They've taken a step beyond terrified, you know, as, as a, a whole heavenly host suddenly appears. God may allow your stress to continue. God may even allow your stress to be increased. One of the things I've noticed, one of the things I remember, bad news from a doctor is often followed by what? More bad news. You know, and I found the first tumor in my head, and that was, you know, that was enough to get my attention. And then we're sitting in the doctor's office, and they said, "You need to get, you need to get another MRI. We caught the edge of another tumor." And it's like, I didn't want to hear about the first one. You know, much less hear about the second one. Things may get worse. Stress may increase before peace comes. God may allow that to happen. Here a multitude of the heavenly hosts suddenly appear. What we need to remember is the process is not the end. What we find ourselves in the midst of, we are in the midst of. It is not the end. As long as we are still breathing, this is not the end. As long as God still gives us life, this is not the end. It may be horrible. It may be terrifying, but it's not the end. Last weekend, we went tobogganing at Pokagon. Uh, We had Max and Molly with us, and Michael and Mandy stayed home. You know, their parents stayed home, so Max and Molly were with Grandma and Grandpa. We went up there and and met Marcy and Andy and the boys, and uh, the trip was, you know, from here to Pokagon was way too long for him. You know, I mean, they drove a couple hours to get here, so the 45 minutes up to Pokagon was just a little bit more than they could stand. Well, we get up there, and if you've been at the uh, toboggan track at Pokagon, um, 
you kind of know what it's like. So we pull up into the parking lot, and the parking lot is the, the, where they start is just slightly above the parking lot. But then you walk down, you know, part way to get the toboggan, and you go and you go up, I don't know, what is it, five stories tall, maybe more. Um, and you go up those stairs and, you know, Max and Molly are there and they're looking up and we walk all the way up that thing. By the time we got to the top platform where the toboggans take off from and all of these, you know, and Molly is um, hearing all of these people screaming as they go down. Yeah, you know, all these. And, and, and Molly was in tears while we were waiting to get on. I walked around and I set that toboggan against the thing because we're next in line and they're getting ready to load it up there and she is standing there crying. And it didn't help that the little girl on the other side, uh, you know, the two go down at once, the other people who were preparing, not only was that girl crying, she was cowering away from her father who continued to reach for her and he, she continued to get back until she was flat on the floor Next to Molly, crying, don't make me do this, you And Molly is now sobbing. And I said, Molly, it'll be okay. I said, it'll be fine. She said, I want my dad. Dad was, you know, 45 minutes away. And I waited in this line, and I'm not about to get back out of this line. I am not getting out of this line, kid. I didn't say that to her. So, you know, Max was going to go with me. And so I, I very magnanimously, I said, who do you want, you know, who do you want to go down with? And she looked at me. She said, Grandma. <laughs> she said, well, so all four of us get on. We made the child go, you know, and uh, this is good child rearing. So pay attention. We made the child go, you know, the four of us got on. We put Mac, the littlest one in front. Max is in, is in front, you know, and, and we were riding down this toboggan. And one of the things I forgot is this is just like your bare butt on that thing, except it's not quite as cold. But I was feeling like I was getting kicked in the tailbone and punched in the kidneys all the way down that slope. And it was I was hoping that Molly was done. And when she got down to the bottom, she was thrilled. <laughs> she wanted to go, she said, 187 more times. <laughs> I, said, I don't think, I don't think Papa's butt can take that many more times, kiddo. But, but, you see, here, here, here's the deal, you know, when we think about this, sometimes we have to go through, you know, we have to go through things rather than that we would rather avoid. The process is not the end. We may have to go through some of those experiences which we would rather avoid and which may terrify us terribly. And sometimes we need to go through those to get to this place of lasting peace. The shepherds go down to the town and they find Jesus. And they, they came with questions, they left with answers. Did you notice that? They, they left with answers and they told, it says, all of those who would listen about Jesus. They came with questions. They left with answers and they shared those answers. They didn't have all the answers. But what they did know is, we've, we met Jesus. 
you need to go see this kid. I'm not sure if that's what they said. We're not told. You know, you, so what they said was, dude, you need to go see this kid. You know, you need to, they came with those, they left, they chose to believe and obey and they found Jesus and they found peace. All you have to do is simply tell people how you found peace with God. If they would have only received that message and stayed in the field, they never would have found that lasting peace. They had to go through that to find this lasting peace. The angels encounter the shepherds, and part of what the angel proclaimed, it said, was peace on earth. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It is not the answer. It is not the absence of troubling circumstances. Jesus makes very clear that his concern is different than what we think of when we think about peace. When John, when Jesus was talking, John records for us. Jesus said, "Peace I leave with you." My, peace, this is his part of his time alone with his disciples after the last supper peace my i leave with you my peace i give to you i do not give to you as the world gives that's usually how we look for it i don't i don't give it to you as the world gives your heart must not be troubled or fearful you see because peace is not found in the absence of conflict it's not found in the absence of war it's not found in the absence of violence because that is always quite temporary because that's of the world in luke chapter 12 it says do you think jesus is speaking he says do you think that i came here to give peace on uh, to the earth no i tell you rather division This is just like we saw last week. Your position on Jesus is the deciding factor in your life. It is the deciding factor in everyone's life. It is also the deciding factor on whether or not you will have lasting peace. At Jesus' birth, the angels declared what? Peace on earth. I found it very interesting that just before his crucifixion, the crowd at his triumphal entry, uh, we've been going through this. Uh, Dean has been leading us through this in, in our Sunday school class. And I found it very interesting that, that just before his crucifixion, the crowd at his triumphal entry declared a different peace in a different place for him. It says the king, you know, there's they're talking and, and praising him. It says the king who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. Peace in heaven. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Think this through. His birth and they're coming and they're proclaiming peace on earth. Just before his crucifixion, it's peace in heaven. What we have here is the reality that peace comes where Jesus is present. Peace comes wherever Jesus is present. That's the reality for us. Paul explains the reason that that this is true in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians, he says very clearly, for he is our peace. He is our peace. When he was born, there was peace on earth because he is our peace. When he died on the cross, there is peace in heaven. Why? Because he is our peace. Jesus is our peace. He is the only true peace, the only lasting peace. If you want to embrace lasting peace, you need to embrace Jesus. 
You need to get closer to Jesus and you will have peace, lasting peace. When your peace is upset, you need to pull closer to Jesus, not run away from him. Advent is that, is that annual reminder for us to do just that. Embrace Jesus. Embrace peace. Just as he told us. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been, we have declared, been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our peace. When you're losing that peace, pull closer to Jesus, embrace more of Jesus, and you'll find yourself embracing peace. Let's pray.